0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our Top Stories Donald Trump pleaded not guilty to 37 charges stemming from his alleged mishandling of classified documents. America's former president was arraigned at a federal courthouse in Miami and joined in court by Waltine Nauda, his personal aide and co-defendant. Mr. Trump was neither handcuffed nor required to take a mugshot. Local police earlier said they were preparing for crowds of up to 50,000 around the courthouse, but only several hundred protesters turned up. Ukraine claimed to have recaptured seven villages from Russian forces since it began its counteroffensive last week. Anna Mahler, the deputy defense minister, said 91 square kilometers, or 35 square miles, had been reclaimed in recent days. The Kremlin insisted that it had repelled Ukrainian attacks. On Tuesday morning, its forces launched airstrikes on Krivirich, a city in central Ukraine, reportedly killing 11 people. Headline inflation in America eased to 4% year-on-year last month, beating economists' expectations of 4.1%. It is the lowest inflation rate since March 2021, although still far above the Federal Reserve's target of 2%. The Fed will make its interest rate decision on Wednesday core inflation, which excludes volatile food and energy prices, rose 5.3 percent in line with predictions. The American novelist Cormac McCarthy died aged 89 at his home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. His books, often bleak and violent, were much lauded. He won the Pulitzer Prize for The Road in 2007 and the National Book Award for All the Pretty Horses in 1992. Those two books became films, as did No Country for Old Men, which won four Oscars. Russia's government proposed a one-time tax on companies with annual profits of 1 billion rubles, or $11.9 million, since 2021. The levy is expected to raise 300 billion rubles and plug a budget deficit that has widened as oil prices have fallen. Quote, I'll tell you a big secret, said a Kremlin official somewhat improbably. Quote, the idea came from business, not the state. Bungie, the world's biggest oilseed producer, and Viterra, a grain trader, will merge to create a global agribusiness giant in a deal that will probably draw scrutiny from competition regulators. Viterra shareholders will receive $6.2 billion worth of Bungie shares and $2 billion in cash. Bungie will assume $9.8 billion of Viterra's debt. Shares in Bungie fell 2.5% in pre-market trading. A new song by The Beatles, starring John Lennon, who was assassinated in 1980, will be released this year. Sir Paul McCartney announced that Mr. Lennon's voice had been, quote, extricated using AI. Controversy over AI music is intensifying. Thousands listened to songs purportedly by Drake and The Weeknd in April before it transpired that they were AI-generated without the musician's consent. And figure of the day, 18 million, the number of Indian migrants spread across the globe, according to the latest U.N. estimates from 2020.
1: And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Russia's answer to Davos falls flat. On Wednesday, the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum, the biggest event of Russia's economic calendar, kicks off. The talking shop has previously attracted everyone from the Secretary General of the United Nations to the President of France. The cost of attendance, $25,000, is supposed to reflect the opportunities for schmoozing. But this year will be different. True, Russia's finance minister and central bank governor are expected to attend. President Vladimir Putin will probably stop by. Yet few other dignitaries will participate in the discussions, which will cover weighty subjects such as technological sovereignty and agribusiness. Western journalists are not allowed to take part. Western business people do not want to. Indeed, it is not clear that any world leaders are planning to make the trip. The event is billed as Russia's answer to the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum at Davos, a Swiss mountain resort. Instead, it merely highlights the country's isolation on the global stage. Lebanon tries to pick a new president again. After 11 failed attempts, Lebanon's parliament will try again on Wednesday to elect a president to replace Michel Aoun, whose term ended in October. Previous votes were a farce, Many MPs cast blank ballots or failed to show up. Do not expect progress this time. The apparent front-runner is Jihad Azur, a former finance minister who announced his candidacy on Monday after denying for months that he wanted the job. Christian parties and independent MPs have endorsed Mr. Azur, whose economic expertise would be useful. The country has been mired in a financial crisis since 2019. Still, he faces fierce opposition from Hezbollah, the Shia militia-cum-political party. It wants Soleiman Frange, a veteran politician close to the regime of Bashar al-Assad, Syria's president, to fill the job. Many Lebanese think the parties supporting Mr. Azur are in fact doing so to try and convince Hezbollah to dump Mr. Frange and back a lesser-known consensus candidate. With little prospect of that, the deadlock looks set to continue. Germany's first national security strategy Before taking office in late 2021, Germany's three-party coalition sought to reassure voters it would govern wisely. Its pledges included drafting a national security strategy— A first for the country. Delayed by Russia's war on Ukraine and internal wrangling, the document will be presented on Wednesday by the Chancellor Olaf Scholz alongside the foreign minister, Annalena Baerbock, and other ministers. The strategy will probably commit to strengthening Germany's transatlantic and European alliances. That means reaffirming a commitment to raise defense spending to 2% of GDP. long-standing promise to NATO that Germany has failed to meet. But talk is cheap. Analysts will pore over the wording for firm details. The text may also skirt through topics, such as how to steer between German economic interests in China and the growing rivalry between the Asian military power and America. Still, it is the ambition underpinning the statement that counts. In a more dangerous world, Germany is recognizing the need to step up. Monitoring the Zaporizhia nuclear plant A new team of monitors from the International Atomic Energy Agency, a UN nuclear watchdog, could arrive at the Zaporizhia nuclear power facility in occupied southern Ukraine as early as Wednesday. Fears of a possible nuclear accident are heightened. The plant drew water to cool its reactors from the Kakovka Reservoir, which was destroyed with the bursting of a huge dam in the neighboring Herson region. After the dam explosion, IAEA staff said that there was no immediate risk to the facility as it stores enough water for a few months nearby. The new monitoring team will assess the water reserves and the plant's cooling systems, yet, the dam's destruction probably by the Russians, has also introduced an ominous possibility that will hang over the team's work. It's now highly unlikely that the plant's reactors, which have been in shutdown modes for months, could be fired up to generate electricity in the foreseeable future. If deemed useless by the Russian occupiers, it is possible that they might sabotage the plant, perhaps before a retreat. The Full Monty Back on Screens A quarter of a century after their one-night-only striptease, six former steelworkers who were the heroes of The Full Monty are back. An eight-part drama series of the same name is out on Wednesday on Hulu in America and Disney Plus elsewhere. Released in 1997, the original film was a surprise international hit, Its many fans fondly recall the scene in which the men dance to Hot Stuff in a dole queue in Sheffield, a city in Yorkshire. In the television reprise, things are the same but different. The group's ringleader is once again Gaz, played by Robert Carlyle, a chancer with a heart of gold. His best friend Dave, Mark Addy, is still married to Jean, Leslie Sharp, but do not expect the Greybeards to get their kid off again. There are plenty of fully clothed hijinks, but the plot focuses on the friends' enduring struggles as they navigate the impact of government austerity and the caprices of the welfare state. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, Tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Wednesday Which body held its first sessions at the Royal Exchange in New York City in 1790? Tuesday What substance is associated with a 15th wedding anniversary? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Harriet Beecher Stowe. Perhaps it is impossible for a person who does no good to do no harm. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week.